My message was entitled, The Powerless Place. And I began by telling you what the church is and what the church isn't all about, from my perspective. From my perspective, what it's all about, it's about relationship. It's about that we love, know, and serve God, and that we love, know, and serve one another. I said what it's not about, again, from my, my perspective, church is not about performance. And it's not about the numbers. It's not about how big we are or how expansive our budget is or, you know, what's the seating capacity of our facility. To me, church is not about the numbers. I think I said if this building burned down during the week, we'd still have church next Sunday because we are the church. This isn't the church, we're the church. We took a look at, uh, last week we took a look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9, and I told you that the scripture says that when we're weak, he's strong. And we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where the scripture says that God chooses the weak. And then I share with you four lessons I've learned from my many times in the powerless place. The powerless place is not the mountaintop, it's the valley, right? I've been to the mountaintop. I know what mountaintops look like. I know what valleys look like. I'm trusting you, you do too. But I've been, to the, I've been to the valley so many times, I've learned a few things, and I shared them with you last week. And just briefly, these are the four lessons I've learned in the powerless place. And the first is that enjoy the mountaintops when they come. There are, there are those seasons in our life where we're in the mountain. Enjoy the mountain. Don't waste those good times, you know, because there'll be other times when you're not there. There'll be times you're in the valley. When you're in the mountain, on a mountaintop, enjoy the mountaintop. The other thing I've learned is that, I shared this with you last week, in the powerless place, everything's a test. <laughs> Everything is a test. And it's not surprising to me how we never take tests by ourselves. It reminded me when I'm in school. Anytime I took a test, there was a whole classroom of kids. They were taking tests as well. And it's been interesting to me how many times in my walk my test has become someone else's test and their test has become my test. And I, when I'm in the valley, I want to pass the test. I want to make sure I pass the test. So I've learned to enjoy the mountaintops. I've learned that everything is a test. The third thing I've learned in the mountaintop, and boy, this one's been important, is just shut up. <laughs> Man, when I'm, when I'm in the powerless place, I need to shut up. When I'm offended, I need to shut up. If I'm angry, I need to shut up. If I'm hurting, I need to just shut up because there ain't a whole lot of good stuff going to come out of my mouth. Boy, it does me a whole lot of good in the powerless place to just shut up. And so along with uh, enjoying the mountaintop, realizing everything's a test, keeping my mouth shut, the fourth thing I've learned in the, in the powerless place is that Papa loves me. Man, he loves me. He loves me when I'm good and bad and ugly. He just loves me. And that's extraordinarily comforting in the powerless place. So that's a brief review of last week. Today I want to give the other side of it. I talked about the powerless place last time. Last week I want to talk about the powerful place today, but I want to talk about the powerful place Jesus style. So if you're opening up to John 13, please follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. It was just past, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Now, that's a powerful place, right? There are powerless places. This is a powerful place. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that the time had come from God, and, he, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. Verse 4, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Lord, I thank you for your word, for the power that's in your word, for how it spoke to me this week. Lord, I pray that you would use me today to speak your word to your people and that it would be life for them. Now, you've all seen people in the natural, in the world around us. You've all seen people in a powerful place, right? The... The Super Bowl MVP, right? That man's in a powerful place. He's in a stadium. There's 80,000 people. They're all screaming and cheering. He's holding up the trophy, right? They're pouring champagne over his head and the camera's in his face. That's, that's the powerful place. We've seen best actor or actresses uh, win, the, uh, you know, win that year's Oscar award. Paparazzi of flashes. Their entourage is frantically trying to attend to their every need. Maybe you've seen the powerful place in the work, on your job. It's the, the newly appointed CEO or director of operations. It's the supervisor or the manager. And you've watched them maybe strut through the office, you know, or through the factory, you know, on the day that their reign begins. I've seen people in the powerful place. The powerful place is the seasons where we have the mountaintop experiences. Hey, it's when all your bills are paid. <laughs> The powerful places where you feel healthy, you feel strong. You not only have responsibility, but you got influence and authority as well. It's a powerful place. You feel good spiritually. You feel good emotionally. Your relationships are healthy. Your relationship with God is healthy. Your relationship with the people you care about, care about you, it's in a healthy place. That's the powerful place. I've learned... That our character is tested in both the powerful place and the powerless place. I, I love sports. I like baseball. I love football. And I really love New York sports. I have for, since I was a child. And I think about some of my favorite athlete, athletes over the years and how they've been tested in the powerful place. They, they reach the, the major leagues, right? They're, they're in the show. They've They've, since they were a little kid, they've, they've either been in a Pop Warner football or they've played Little League, and they've worked their way through all the different levels. And now they're in the major leagues. They're a professional football player. They're a professional baseball player. They've gone as high as they could go. And maybe they're even the best player on their team or the best player in the league. They're in a powerful place. And in that place, with all that money, with all that fame, with all those accolades, in that powerful place, their character is tested. I think about some of my favorite players of all time. Lawrence Taylor for the New York Giants. Powerful. Powerful football player. Maybe one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. His character has been tested again and again and again. 
Unfortunately, he's repeatedly failed that test. Two of my favorite baseball players started on the Mets. They even played for the Yankees. Dwight Good and Daryl Strawberry. I think both their lives are doing better now, but as young men, man, they had fame, they had money, they probably had too many women, <laughs> and their character was tested, and they failed repeatedly. If you're not from New York, there are lots of other examples. Ben Rotzenberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers, or Michael Vick, who's now playing for the Eagles. All of these men were in a powerful place, the top of their, their, the sports world. And they've been tested and failed as either drugs or alcohol or infidelity or criminal activity, you name it. There are biblical examples of powerful men who didn't do so well. Read the life of King Saul and how in his powerful place he thought his ways were better than God's ways and it cost him his kingdom. But King Solomon inherited the kingdom from his father David was given wisdom from God. Maybe the richest man who's ever lived on the face of the earth. And still in the end, he didn't do so well. Men in powerful places having their characters tested. But that's what I love about Jesus. He's the, he is the incredible example to us. He's the, the, the perfect example of what it means to be in the powerful place and he, and he passes the test. He doesn't fail the test. In the text we're looking at, John chapter 13, I'm so impressed with the word so in verse 4. The word so, begin, beginning verse 4 in the, in the NIV, it connects the knowledge that Jesus has in verse 3 with the actions that Jesus takes in verses 4 and 5. Listen to verses 3 to 5 again. And see how the word so makes a connection. There's knowledge that Jesus has in verse 3. It says, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. He put all things under... Is that the ultimate powerful place? <laughs> if the Heavenly Father has put all things under your power, that's about the most powerful place you could ever expect to be. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. He knew... He knew what he had. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. I don't know if in a sentence you could better describe the powerful place. That's a powerful place. Verse 4 says, so. You could take out the word so. You could say in light of, because of. So. Because he knew he had this incredible power from his Father, God Almighty, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That's amazing to me. I love how verse 4, the beginning of verse 4, that one word, so. I love Jesus' response. To the powerful place. I'm so in, I've been so taken with these few verses this week. Let me just read them to you again from two different translations. I love the, the very distinctives that the Amplified Bible and the Message bring to this same text. Listen to this. This is from the Amplified. Jesus, knowing 
fully aware that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off his garments, and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, a wash basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet and wash them with the servant's towel with which he was girded. It's a servant's towel. The message says it, says it this way. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he had came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with the apron. Jesus is an amazing example to us. Consider the context of what's happening here. They're in the upper room. They're about to have the Last Supper. Just hours. This is just hours before Jesus um, is going to be brutally beaten and then crucified. It's in this setting. This is the prelude to him establishing a new covenant, a brand new covenant with you and me, with all of mankind. In this setting, at this meal, this final supper, the, the room that this upper room that they're brought to, it's customary in the culture of that day to have a slave present who would wash the feet of the dinner guests. And if there wasn't a slave in the room, it became the responsibility of the youngest person there to wash the feet of everyone else. Take notice in the text. Read it for yourself later. Go through chapter 13. None of the other disciples were running to take on the responsibility of, I'll wash my, my, friend, my friend's feet. I'll wash my brother's feet. Nobody volunteered for that duty, right? It, why, why was it the slave's responsibility or the youngest's responsibility? Because it was the dirtiest job. I mean, think about it. <laughs> they're, working, they're, they're on dirty, dusty roads. <laughs> yeah, we know what animals do, right? This is not, this isn't, how many of you guys have been in a church service where they had foot washing, right? Mary, is that sanitized or what? Right? And, and they usually let the people know ahead of time, hey, we want to wash your feet today so that they can wash their feet before they come to church. This is not that. This isn't that nice little ceremony that sometimes we do, and I'm fine with it. I just want you to have a picture of what it's really like. These are 30 feet. There was, there was junk on these guys' feet. And for that reason, nobody. And they're going to they're gonna sit at table. Their feet were going to be near the food. They had to wash their feet. And it was usually a responsibility of a slave or, or the lowest-ranking servant or the youngest person there. And nobody in that room volunteered to wash everyone else's feet. But Jesus does. From the most powerful place, knowing where he come from, where he was going, that the Father had given him all power, what does Jesus cho choose to do? He demonstrates the full extent of his love for the disciples by taking the lowest place. The lowest of lowest of low places. And he washes his disciples' feet. Now get this. 
He washed Judas' feet. Judas hadn't left the room yet. Judas, this is only verses 3, 4, and 5. Judas doesn't leave until verse 30. And Jesus knew that Judas, Judas was going to betray him. And how did, what does Jesus do to him? Does he throw him out early? Does he slap him upside the head? Does he look at him and say, I know what you're going to do. You can't fool me. He washes Judas' feet too. Oh, my God. I need to become a whole lot more like Jesus. Rocks my world. From the powerful place, this is the powerful place Jesus style. From the powerful place, Jesus chooses to serve. <laughs> In this kingdom, the first to last. And the last are first. In this kingdom, the greatest are servants of all. And Jesus is modeling that right here. In this kingdom, we looked at last week, the weak is strong. And the powerless are powerful. In this kingdom, those who exalt themselves are humbled, and those who humble themselves are exalted. It reminded me of Philippians chapter 2. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. What did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, amazing. Amazing. So back to John 13, verse 4. The word so. Consider the word so. With full knowledge of his powerful position, Jesus took the place of a servant. He took the place of a slave. And he washed the feet of his students, his disciples, his friends, including his betrayer. I'm convinced <laughs> more than ever that God's ways are not my ways. His ways are higher than my ways. You know, the text here doesn't describe much of what happened with that foot washing other than Jesus' brief communication, conversation with Peter. But I wonder. I'm not saying that this happened, but I wonder. Given Jesus' heart, the way he's, he's behaving, could you imagine what it must have been like while he was in the process of actually washing each of their feet? I can imagine he was giving them words of encouragement as he washed the dirt off of their feet. I can imagine that there were blessings and prayers as he removed the dust. I could imagine, I could, I could picture it, that maybe he was speaking promises, prophetic promises, 
as he dried off their feet. You know, I know where you come from. I know you got it in you. You're gonna be you're gonna be able to walk the path that's in front of you. As he as his hands, as Jesus' hands are on their feet. I'm thinking, man, I'm getting these ideas. Wouldn't this be an amazing outreach to be able to do someplace? You wash people's feet and then you prophesy to them as you do it, as you anoint their feet with oil. And you pray for them that they have everything that they need to walk the, the path that's in front of them, to complete their journey. Man, I'm thinking Jesus probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Scripture doesn't say it, but it resonates in my heart. Wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, if I was there, I imagine he was being very tender, very kind-hearted to these men who would abandon him in a matter of hours. Very cool. We serve an amazingly humble and loving God. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, so, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after he had poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had wrapped around him. Washing feet. That's the powerful place. That's the powerful place, Jesus style. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you. For being a perfect example in all things and in every way. Lord, I pray in the powerful or powerless place that we would be like you. That we'd be a whole lot more like you. When we find ourselves in the powerless place, oh God, I pray that we pass our test. When we're in the powerful place, I pray that we would pass our test. I pray that we would have your attitude. I pray that the first thought that would come to our mind when we're in the most powerful place would be to wash feet. Do that, Lord. So Lord, we welcome you. Come now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, fill this place with your presence. Move on this room, oh God. Move on this room. Thank you, Lord. Anybody feeling like anointing on their hands, like a tingling sensation or heat on their hands? Anybody feel that this morning? Yeah. Anybody else feeling that this morning? A tingling on their hands? Yeah. On the foot too? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bless your people today. I pray that you would minister to our needs, physical needs, emotional needs, our spiritual needs. Lord, I thank you for, for the people here. I pray especially the next couple of weeks while Nadine and I are away that your covering, your blessing and protection will be over this church. 
every man, woman, and child. Anoint Vaughn for his message next week and Ginny for her message the week after. Thank you, Lord. Amen? I love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Please remember to pray for Nadine and I while we're away. And um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll try and post pictures on Facebook if we can. And um, we look forward to seeing you guys when we get back.